0: Hi, it's Jim Metzner. And I'm Bob Berman. And today's episode of Astounding Universe is in celebration of the 50th anniversary of... That's one small step for man,
1: one giant leap for mankind. Apollo 11, the first people on the moon. Bob has written the book
0: about this mission, and the book is called... Shooting for the Moon. And that was written at the 40th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission. Bob, being the expert, is going to give us the skinny on the parts of the story
1: that nobody knows. Yeah, for some reason, there's strange aspects of that lunar landing that, that, that still are not there. You don't read them, you don't see them, you don't hear about them. Like it happened in a big warehouse in New Jersey. That's the bottom
0: line, right? right? They never went to the moon. Come on. Tell me the truth. There's That's a- so silly. All right.
1: Well, people believe that. but You know what you should say to people who believe that? No. You should say simply that crowds watched a rocket blast off. Yeah. It returned a week later. If it didn't go to the moon, just ask your friends who think it was all staged. Say, if it didn't go to the moon... Where did it go? New Jersey, of course. It had to go somewhere. Now, it couldn't have just been in orbit because things in orbit are visible. You see them as little lights going across the sky. It couldn't have just been in orbit because we had enemies, the Russians, who would have been happy to use their radar and to blab to the world that we never went to the moon. So we went to the moon. Okay. Okay. So we went to the moon. Everybody knows, but what don't we know about well, this mission? you know, those weren't the first words from the moon. That was seven hours later. So wait a minute. We land on the
0: moon, seven hours take place, and then he steps out of the craft? Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. The first word on the moon was okay. It was really <laughs> okay. Engine stop. And that was by Buzz Aldrin. And then Neil Armstrong said, uh, and they love this back at Mission Control. He said, Houston. Tranquility Base
0: here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Twink. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.
1: They loved it because they had never thought that this would be a base. You know, they were all... Ex-military people, but the idea that the first two people on a particular part of the moon was were essentially establishing a base of operations. So yeah. when he said "Tranquility Base," here the Eagle has landed. They they loved it, and that was spontaneous. But it was seven hours later before he said. Uh, that's one small step for man, and
0: one giant leap for mankind. So he's on the moon, he says that when he's on the moon.
1: And so then what? What else he got for us that's unknown? As Neil Armstrong, who was an amazing pilot, was heading down to the surface, he had been trained, and they had practiced this, that they were supposed to get only about four or five feet from the surface, and then, Three probes that looked just like uh, very thin pieces of metal that were hanging from three of the four legs of the lunar lander, the LEM, would indicate with big blue lights on the panel in front of them that there was contact. It was a contact light. And then he was supposed to shut the engine off and let it drop that final three or four feet. because. The legs were made of a honeycomb aluminum, and they would then compress. It had been calculated by engineers that the legs would crush just the right amount, that the ship would now be the perfect distance from the surface for the guys to later walk down a ladder and step on the surface. Okay, Uh, this is the limb. It's hovering, and there was this technical
0: stuff that was supposed to inform him about how low
1: to descend and when the legs would go out and support the vehicle. Is that what you're saying? It told him when the extension probes would touch the surface, Mm -hmm. and that's when he was supposed to kill the engine and let it drop. Okay. But he was too good a pilot for that. He was just too good a pilot. He couldn't bring himself to do that, even though that's what he was supposed to do. Instead, he continued gently going down and down with the engine still firing, so that he made a soft landing. Forty feet down, two and a half, picking up some dust. Thirty feet, two and a half down, brake that out. Four forward. Now you might think, "Well, that's great. He made a light soft landing light light. on the moon." No. He blew it. And you won't hear that anywhere, but you're hearing it now. By blowing it, what happened is that the legs never compressed. The legs remained at their full length. And because of that, the ladder <laughs> that they later had to use to get to the surface did not extend all the way to the surface. Getting back up to that first step. Uh, it's, the uh,
0: gut it not collapsed too far, but uh, it's adequate to get back up. Roger, we copy oh, yeah. a pretty good little job.
1: And it was such a leap that when Buzz Aldrin stepped off about 20 minutes after Neil Armstrong and he had a leap down, he hit the moon at such an impact that it broke the urine bags in his boots. Oh, God. So his whole boot, one of them, filled with urine. He couldn't say anything. He knew he had a live mic. He wasn't going to complain and whine about this for the world to hear. But his walking on the moon was definitely more like one small squish for a man. (laughs) So that was also unknown. And this was all a consequence of, of Neil Armstrong being too good and not doing what he was supposed to do. Oh,
0: Buzz, my heart goes out to you. So one small squish for man. So there's intrepid Buzz Aldrin, not saying a word, mind you, out there, and every step he's taking is in his own urine, and he's got to live with that for the rest of the flight?
1: <laughs> no. Back when they went to the command module, when it was all over, then Think he, he changed anyway, and everything is fine. Okay. And that wasn't the only uncomfortable thing, though. That They had to stand in attention on the hot lunar surface for a couple of minutes while Richard Nixon called them. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure they, too, join with America. in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of
0: tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to
1: bring peace and tranquility to earth.
0: For one priceless moment. Well, it sounds, I mean, Dick is reading
1: from copy there that somebody wrote from, but he sounds pretty good. And of course, Richard Nixon in a way, hated the whole thing because it was his predecessor, his competitor, JFK, who had set up the entire Apollo program to begin with and said, go to the moon before the decade is out. And now uh, people kept giving JFK credit for it, where credit was due, and Nixon was not really comfortable with that. In fact, he canceled the final three Apollo missions, 18, 19, and 20, because let's not drag this out too far he thought. And not only that, he insisted that the plaque that was attached to one of the legs of the limb, Mm. which said, we came in peace for all mankind, would have not just the signature of the astronauts, but his name twice, once printed out and once in script. So the one repeating name on the moon that will last longer than the human race, because there's no erosion on the moon, it'll last for half a billion years, probably, and be legible, in case some aliens ever come to this neighborhood and look around, and what could be the glory of this one human being whose name is repeated on every one of the landing sites? Richard Nixon. Now, is it true? This is a rumor I
0: heard that he insisted that Checker's paw print be actually put <laughs> on the on the plaque too. <laughs> Is that, that's, that's not true. It's one small paw. It's one for small man. paw for mankind.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dick, I hardly knew you. But all in all, a lot of great stuff happened. And who would have thought, though, back then in 1969, that here we would be a half century later. And not only have we not gone beyond the moon to Mars and other places, which everyone thought we would do by yeah. the end of the next decade. Yeah. But we haven't even gone back to the moon. Nobody would have guessed that.
0: And if we do, it may be the likes of Elon Musk that gets us there. We'll see. We'll see. Well, in any case, here's to Apollo 11. Here's to the astronauts, Mike Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and who is that other guy? (laughs) I keep forgetting. Neil Armstrong. It was an amazing feat, and all the amazing folks at NASA who never get half the credit that they deserve, and all the support people behind those guys this is one of humanity's finest moments, and our hats off to you. Cheers. For Astounding Universe, I'm Jim Metzner. And I'm
1: Bob Berman.
0: We'll catch you next time. For
1: those who haven't uh, read the plaque, uh, we'll read the plaque that's on the front landing gear of this lamp. It says, Dear men from the planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969. They came in peace for all mankind. It has the the crew members' signatures
0: and the signature of the President of the United States.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.